0: Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Welcome back to the Think
1: Orphan podcast. Thanks again for being a part of the conversation as usual, Brandon and I, Phil Dark, uh, you know, we're your hosts, and we have another great conversation today. Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately with all sincerity, I was not able to be a part of it, um, but this conversation is a really, really good one that, that we got coming your way today, um, and this week is Thanksgiving. I'm very thankful for you, Brandon. Brandon, how you doing?
2: I'm good, man. Thankful for you, too. It's, uh, it, yeah, I, I, I love fall. I've been, uh, you know, having my share of uh, pumpkin bread and, you know, and, and I, I'm an L.A. sports fan. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a little down right now after, uh, you know, the Dodgers flame out and, and the Lakers not being any good. But when it comes to football... I'm a Vikings fan, and they're pretty good this mm. year. So you know, it it just it just feels like fall time, man. And with Thanksgiving just around the corner, I'm feeling good. I How thought about you, you man? were
1: going. I thought you were going the real football and talking about LAFC winning the MLS. They won, Cup.
2: That's true. That's so, true. Well, that was the thing too. I was going to say on Twitter, like, oh man, what a terrible time to be a LA sports fan. But then I realized LAFC. Yeah. They did win the MLS Cup. You know, living up here, I I actually have been to a Sounders game. And because I don't follow the MLS or haven't followed it, you know, I used to root for the Galaxy, mm-hmm. you know, being a Southern California guy. And I could still go for them or LAFC, but being such a diehard Dodger fan and such a diehard Laker yeah. fan, I there, there's no way I'm going to be like, yeah, let's root for the Mariners. The Mariners, they were yeah, actually good can't. this year, but yeah. I'm not going to root for yeah, them. Yeah, you can't do that. But the Sounders, I'm like, well, maybe I could root for the Sounders. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not really that sure. in the MLS. Maybe I could pick up a team. You know, yeah. my, my daughter... My daughter's a L.A. Sparks fan. She's a big basketball okay. fan. And, uh, I coached her team last year, which was fun. But she doesn't even want to switch to the Storm. You know? We're just like, no, L.A. teams. So, anyways... You know, it, no. we're getting
1: close to How Soccer Explains Leadership right now. Just throwing it out there. You know, if you don't know about that, folks, <laughs> that is the other podcast that I do. If you enjoy this conversation a little bit, then you might enjoy that podcast. If you don't, then we are going to get back to the orphan stuff, to, you know, <laughs> today. Uh, there's there. Don't worry. You're not at the wrong place uh, today. But this is a fun conversation because
2: here's well, the deal. I, I, I don't want to. Oh, go ahead. Okay, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say because. Well, this is all important stuff and especially since it's what we you know we we care about this stuff and the fact is mls really is is it's i don't really follow it that much i just knew i thought that's where you were going i was getting excited that you were actually going down the road of the real football but um you know that's okay because it, they did win i don't really follow mls either it's just premier league is pretty much what i follow because, you know, I'm a, I'm a global guy, which is what we talk about here. And we have some global conversation today as well. Um, and, you know, we also, like I said, I don't want a short short shrift Thanksgiving because I hope that everyone right. out there, I hope you're thankful for these amazing guests we have that we get to have conversations for. I hope you're grateful and thankful for these people that are doing incredible work around the world that we get to learn from and we get to uh, hopefully work with uh, along these different things. I, I've just been following I don't know if you if you saw it but you know steve young who's been a a great you know friend over the years of of you know orphan care ministry with first fruit he, he kind of had his last trip with first fruit with phil asperger it was really fun to kind of watch them traveling to different places but not just you know to go and have fun in places which they did but to have purposeful travel to be able to help spread the um you know, just really this message that we want to spread too. So I'm just thankful for them and thankful for all the different people that are doing great, great work and all the people who have been able to be part of this conversation on this show. So I want to say that. Um, and I imagine you have similar sentiments.
2: Absolutely. No. And, and thankful for our listeners as well. And, you know, just to clarify, the only reason I ever bring up American football, I'm not going to Rick Morton on you or anything. I hate Alabama. Yeah. I was so stoked yeah. when I saw them lose yes, uh, yes. but yes. you can't have Thanksgiving twice. without American twice football.
1: twice Brandon they've lost twice yes they which have. I'm just so, like Rick, they're
2: not gonna make the college football playoff praise God
1: Rick when you're um, listening to this you know we love you but uh, we, we neither of us really are, are uh, too bummed that uh Alabama lost twice uh, already this no. year and I have a feeling it might be more but we'll uh we'll see. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't like the SEC, and Alabama's the epitome of SEC football. Anyway, sorry, I know I'm a West Coaster. <laughs> At any rate, you can't have Thanksgiving without American football. Uh, so, so hopefully everybody has a good Thanksgiving. And yes, absolutely thankful for our listeners, thankful for what God's doing in orphan care around the world, and thankful for our guests today. Uh, I had to have a great, I, I got to have a great conversation with uh, Adrian Lewis and uh, Jake Barith uh, from the Global Orphan Project. We got to talk about Care Portal. Care Portal has been something I can't remember who it was, but somebody mentioned Care Portal on the podcast years ago, and you know it's been one of those uh, one of those really kind of uh, things that are changing communities, like like literally, honestly, changing how child welfare works in certain communities. So we got to talk with them a bit about Care Portal, and got to talk with them about some of the projects that they're working on globally. So uh, yeah, it was it was a great conversation. Sorry you couldn't be a part of it, uh, Phil.
1: You know, it's I, okay. It's okay. You know, I, I miss a lot of the good ones. That's what I'm, I'm, they're all good. So I do, anyone that I miss is I'm missing a good one. So it is what it is, you know, and I, I got to go to Hawaii with my wife and have an amazing uh, time out there meeting with some cool people, but more than that, spending some really quality time with my wife and my daughter, who's at YWAM. And so, you know, I, I will say I'm bummed I missed it, but I'm really, I would much have rather been where I was. So I'm just going to say that.
2: You, you got the better deal. Yeah. Uh, it was a great conversation, and uh, but you did get the better deals. But we're also glad to have you back, buddy. Thank you. But uh, right now, let's uh, go ahead and hop into this conversation that I had with Adrian and Jake. <music> well, uh, Adrian and Jake from The Go Project, it is awesome to have you guys on the Think Orphan podcast. How are you guys doing today? Doing awesome.
0: Fantastic, man. Good to see you. Good to, Good hear to you. see
2: you. Good to see you and and thank you guys so much for coming on. You know, I'm I'm excited because you know, Go Project just has a lot of different initiatives and things that you guys are running and and uh, of course Care Portal is something that a lot of people are familiar with from our audience. And so this is fun. I I would love, you know, as we kind of jump in and maybe I'll just kind of come to Jake first. I uh, you know, I, can you guys just introduce Go Project a little bit, you know, some of our listeners may have heard of your guys' organization and what you guys do, but maybe just share a little bit about go project and and then how each of you uh entered you know into the orphan care space specifically yeah
3: sure gladly i'll i'll give a brief intro and then i'll punt it over to adrian and you can kind of flesh it out a bit if you want a eh? sure um so the global orphan project exists to break the orphan cycle through the power of community commerce and the love of jesus and so we do that domestically through our uh, technology platform, Care Portal, and we do that internationally in 10 different countries through several partner organizations that we've established over the years. So, uh, Adrian,
0: what do you got to add? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Jake, I'm just thinking back to the early days when when it was just a few of us and God brought you to the team, um, you know, back, back in the early days, the whole objective, uh, was to magnify the bride of Christ through loving the most vulnerable people in her midst, right? And so when Mike Fox, our founder, uh, took a trip and, and got to meet some of the kids that he was financially supporting from a distance, God used it to just shake his life up. You know, I like to yeah. say, turn his life right side up. Um, and And that seed that was planted in him and his wife um, it blossomed into what we hope happens when people are responsive to the gospel. Uh, what happened was they couldn't stop talking about it. They, they couldn't share stop sharing it with people who they loved, and it infected the people around them. So they had the opportunity to use their influence because they were of of, of means at that point. They had the opportunity to use their influence to bring other people into this orphan window, to be exposed to the crazy, amazing things that God was doing. And that's how the organization was born. I mean, it was just born from that uh, obedience of a few people that turned into opportunity for obedience for many. And Jake and I had the, the blessing of being some of those many. There are thousands and thousands of those people who now have had their lives transformed by by the orphan? Uh, we we joke, you know. You go somewhere to help someone, and what does God do? I mean, he 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 changes you, and yeah. that is the experience that that actually brought me into the ministry. Um, I had the chance to go on a trip in 2007 with my wife Cynthia. We went to Haiti. Uh, we got to love on some kids there. We got to be exposed to. The, the vast need and beauty of the people of that country and god uh, on that trip in 2007 he he moved us um, he moved us from being believers to followers
2: mm.
0: yeah and and in that process of becoming followers um one of the things that god asked us to do was for me to leave my company a couple of years later join the ministry full time and so beginning of 2010, that's what I did. Uh, and I never expected to be a ministry guy, <laughs> didn't expect to be out of the corporate world. Uh, but God doesn't waste anything you give him. And he totally blesses your obedience. And I just have to say that is a he's a faithful God. My, my obedience has been blessed way more than I could have asked or imagined. It's not just words on a page. It's like life. Uh, and when, you know, Jake popped up on the scene not that long after he, he was in a moment of transition and, and uh, from the corporate world as well. And here he is, all kinds of world traveling behind his belt, under his well, belt. Now.
2: Well, well, let's hear that. Let's hear that from the man himself. So, Jay, it was, it was great to hear Adrian and kind of how God brought him into this space. How about you, man? I mean, I mean, what did that look like? Where did you come from? And I'll just say, Adrian, you know, we, I I can speak for Phil for sure. I I know there's a number of people that have kind of come onto the show from various places and, and it is, it's that divine calling, uh, you know, where God just kind of leads you from one place uh, and to come into, you know, start meeting the needs, you know, as his hands and feet uh, for orphan and vulnerable kids. So uh, Jake, what, what did that, what did that journey look like for you?
3: Yeah, sure. So um, I uh, grew up overseas. I grew up in the UK. Uh, my dad was an international business guy, and um, you know, we moved, we're a Christian family. My dad was also a church planter in uh, the St. Louis area where I was born. But we moved to the UK when I was four, and I spent my entire childhood there. Um, um, you know, went to school there, and then moved to Miami, Florida. Uh, from Wales, actually, from Cardiff, Wales to Miami, Florida, when I was 19, and started um, in my sort of corporate career. I did some some mergers and acquisitions for a while, and that sort of in a roundabout kind of way led me into uh, some real estate development. I worked for a big real estate developer, and um, I just kind of one day had this epiphany uh, when i was standing in the penthouse taking you know a group of investors on a tour and you know god sort of opened my eyes to um to what his calling was for me in in you know in you know the penthouse of a multimillion dollar you know real estate investment opportunity um, of all places that's where he called me to uh, to really leave that life and uh, and join a small church plant in miami that was trying to do some good in some hard parts of the city. And so I left my job and I I joined this team. And um, within the first few weeks, a group of young men in their late teens, early 20s started coming to our church. Uh, And they were just sweet and kind. And they came from some tough backgrounds. And we became close friends. And I trained them to run our audio visual sort of setup. And uh, they would come to church faithfully every Sunday at like 6 a.m. and help us set up. We were a mobile church, right? So they would help us set up. They'd run the whole production then help us break it down and, and go home. And I would gather them together about once a week for lunch. And over time, you know, heard their stories and heard that most of them came from uh, broken homes and fatherless yeah. homes and It really sort of led me on this journey of, of, you know, researching fatherlessness and how so Mm. many of our social issues find their root in a fatherless home. Um, And so, you know, that led me on this, you know, I I have sometimes a bit of an obsessive personality. So I just sort of obsessively started researching this, you know, what what should uh, a local church do? What can they do in this space to help children and young men, um, young men and young women? Uh, to care for them well um, when the home is not ideal. And that research ultimately led me to the Global Orphan Project. Um, I started a conversation with them um, around about the time that I was transitioning out of this church. And, you know, I took a trip, uh, my first trip to Haiti back in October 2010 with Adrian, and um, you know, really, there wasn't a job offer on the table. There wasn't really any any you know idea of that in either of our minds. I just wanted to go and see, you know, what what are local churches doing in Haiti? You know, I had traveled the country, the United States, to see what was going on. I had traveled to Honduras and a few other places just to research and understand better what churches can and are doing. And, um, and so I wanted to see what was going on in Haiti. And anyway, a few months after that trip, they offered me the job of moving to Haiti and running the ministry down there. And, and there we are, you know, that, that kind of started the journey.
2: That's awesome, man. You know, as you were talking, Jake, it definitely reminded me of a past guest that's been on the show, John Sowers and and his book, fatherless generation. Have you read that book by chance? I have in, not in kind of your studies? Oh my goodness, you gotta read it. It's 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 so powerful. And you're right. The the link between fatherlessness and so many social ills is staggering. It it's absolutely staggering. And that's something that 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 Dr. Sowers talks about in that book. But um I, I love it, man. I love the way that that God led both of you guys into this space and and now you guys do have these projects that are you know going in multiple countries, Um, can you share with us a little bit, you know, share with our audience a little bit about the circle of cares, the circles of care model and, and, you know, how go project works out of that space. And, and really how does that model, you know, inform what you guys do programmatically, you know, and, and what does it really kind of convey about kids and their families and their communities?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we believe that the biblical framework, for caring for children is that every child should belong within a loving family, and that family should be supported by a local church, and that local church should exist within a supporting community, and that is the what we call the circles of, of care, right? That is God's plan, the God's design for caring for children and families, right? But we also recognize, you know, the realities of the world. The world is marred by sin. And so often, you know, these relationships have been broken or fragmented. And so there's a gap that exists oftentimes between children and their families, families in the local church, the local church in the community. So our job at Go Project is through partnerships with local churches to mend these divides, mend the divide between children and families, families in the church, church and community. And so that idea, that philosophy really pervades everything that we do. So, every program that we do, you know, we should be able to pinpoint exactly where on the circles of care it exists and what gap it is seeking to mend in the hopes that we can return to the biblical model of this true ecosystem of care that exists for children, families, church, and community, so you know that works. It's you know manifests itself, I guess, a lot of different ways depending on the context, right? So, you know, a a U.S. context might look very different than a rural Ugandan context, um, but that is the guiding philosophy that that you know undergirds everything we do at, at Go Project.
2: Yeah, no, it's really helpful to kind of see that. And, you know, if you guys go on Go Project's website, you know, they kind of have that image. And one of the things that we talk about, especially in social workspaces, is a child's environment, their ecology. And this is one of those kind of, um, yeah, just kind of a, a framework uh, to really kind of understand where are these points that we can um, you know, build support systems, you know, into the family that's going to bless the child, into the church that's going to bless the family, you know, and so on and so forth. and and I, I love it. And I actually love that you guys are able to apply it, you know, beyond you know the church partnerships in Haiti, for example. But you apply that here, you know locally as well. I mean, it's 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 pretty remarkable,
0: yeah, Brandon, one of the things that's remarkable to me too, is that there's nothing new under the sun. And these circles of care that Jake just unpacked, I can't tell you how many times we've come across other organizations who God has laid the same conviction, the same framework, the same model of care into their hearts uh, and is coming out in their organizations. It's its a beautiful thing, really. Um, and so we don't sit here saying, oh, we figured this crazy thing out, right? No, no. Um, what we are saying is God has laid since the foundation of the world, the way that care should happen. And, you know, children and families are a unit and the church is an organism that is intended to breathe life into children and families. And uh, the community at large is part of his master plan. So everybody has a seat at the table. Um, I'm just thrilled that that type of vision is in the DNA of many Organizations in the space that we serve.
2: Yeah, no, it's 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 really really important, and and I agree. You know, it's it's funny, Adrian, that you mentioned that across other organizations, you know, especially working in the orphan care space, and you know, at One Million Home, we interact with a lot of different organizations, and it's it's. Um, It is a credit and a glory to God when you come across various organizations that either have a similar methodology or a same vision statement, like for a collective impact organization like 1 Million Home, I mean, when you come across two organizations that have either similar models or similar vision, it's just like, oh my goodness, we have such great opportunity here to collaborate. So, So I love that you highlight that as well. And you guys do have, you know, different programs that you guys are building on top of that, you know, model on top of the circles of care model. And, you know, one of those initiatives, you know, at, at, on Orphan, we talk a lot about, you know, getting kids into family, getting kids into community. Um, and you guys, you know, through your projects are impacting kids that are both in families as well as kids that are in residential care. And one of the initiatives that you guys work on is helping youth transition to adulthood. Can uh, And, you know, we unfortunately, when we talk about the continuum of care, too often we actually kind of leave out independent living programs. And I think that that's, that that's a, that that's an oversight too often. Can you share with us, you know, some of the challenges that you've seen when children or youth are exiting care and, you know, what what are some ways that go project is actually starting to address those needs?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as you mentioned, Brandon, the, you know, the transition age youth uh, are, I, I think, fairly underserved uh, served. Um, and I think a lot of it is because it's really, really challenging, right? It's it's one thing, you know, from, you know, if you're an institutional care ministry, you know, it's one thing to feed and clothe kids. If you're a foster care ministry, it's one thing to, you know, equip families to uh, to care for children. You know, what do you do to prepare children who have, you know, suffered the trauma of, of, of being removed from, from uh, their family and have been, you know, raised in a non-biological care, uh, you know, situation, and now are ready to sort of strike out on their own, um, it's a real challenge. And so, you know, some things that we've discovered is that firstly, especially in, in the developing world context, you know, a lot of the children who are approaching transition age um, are are oftentimes way behind in their education for all the reasons that we just said, right. They're way behind in their education. So the educational opportunities for them to get, you know, uh, I don't know, skills and develop skills and uh, cultivate, you know, uh, job readiness is, uh, is challenging. And so we started um, in Haiti, our transition Academy because Uh, We did a massive national sort of research project and found that the vast majority of kids who were coming out of some kind of non-biological care situation didn't have the baseline education to qualify for any higher education program, be it skills training or, you know, uh, university or whatever. And so, we sort of reluctantly created our own transition program and called it the Transition Academy. And so, naively, you know, we thought, okay, we'll, we'll give these kids some good sort of trade skills and some good life skills, and that'll do it. And what we discovered was as soon as these kids, you know, showed up to the academy, um, you know, as they are now, you know, entering this transition program, uh, a lot of their sort of unresolved trauma and, and abandonment issues and all came to the surface. And, you know, things that, um, that, you know, we weren't quite prepared for, you know, in the early days of of the Transition Academy, all of a sudden we're we're right in our face, and we we had to deal with this. And so, you know, we sort of rethought the way that we we do it, and we made counseling and um, psychosocial well-being and um, a lot of spiritual inter- interventions um, the main focus of what we do. The life skills, the job skills, those are secondary really to the healing that needs to take place in a child who's lived in a in a non-biological care setting and is now approaching, you know, adulthood. Um, I mean, if we don't address that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what skills we're giving them and what, you know, um even even what job opportunities they may have. I mean, if there's feelings of abandonment and hopelessness and um, lack of self-esteem, um, you know, it. those things need to be addressed in order for a young person to become a healthy adult. So we really see it as a combination of the two, like it has to be a place of healing, it has to be a place of counseling and of uh, a safe place where kids can work work out these issues, while at the same time giving them work to do. Uh, And that was another issue we found is that a lot of these kids who came from, especially like, you know, residential care facilities, institutional care facilities, you know, they didn't grow up like their counterparts in the community did, who were part of a farming family. And so they just learned to farm as part of their family, or they learned to, you know, harvest their mangoes and sell them on the side of the road. Like they learned these, this work ethic and these uh, these entrepreneurial skills, just being part of the community, you know, when you're removed from that and you're put in an institution or some kind of a group home, you know, you don't get that experience. And so we really had to instill these entrepreneurial skills and work ethic, into the program as well. And that became another pillar of the transition program. So, you know, that's sort of the way that we approach transition in Haiti, which is unique to Haiti. Um, Elsewhere, it takes different shapes, but those two things we believe need to be a central theme of whatever transition program that there has to be spiritual healing and there has to be a good work ethic entrepreneurial component.
2: Yeah, no, that's really, it's really helpful. And I think, you know, what we always want to strive for is having our approaches be as integrated and holistic as possible. And too often we might neglect one for the other. Well, this is just a spiritual thing, you know, and neglect the fact that the kids need hard skills, you know, or you can do the opposite. So so I, I appreciate the integration. You know, I actually kind of want to also, you know, circle back on, on one country that we've already mentioned, you know, a couple times, and that's Haiti. You know, we are required recording this the last week of October, this will release next month. So, you know, who knows what will be the story then, you know, we have, um, you know, organizations that we partner with in Haiti as well. And it's, it's a bit too much in the news right now. Um, you know, and just becoming a really inhospitable place for, and I don't even want to say like for orphan care ministries as if we're important. No, it's inhospitable towards children and families, um, especially around Port-au-Prince and, um, can you guys maybe just share, you know, with the churches that you guys are working with right now in Haiti or program staff that you guys have on the ground, you know, it has been in the news there, you know, the, the government itself is asking for international intervention as, um, gangs have blocked off ports for food and fuel. And I mean, from, from your guys's, you know, either team or partners on the ground, you know, what are you guys hearing and and what are you guys able to kind of do in the midst of this kind of crisis situation?
3: yeah well thanks for that i think that it's uh you know as you mentioned it's super challenging and continues to kind of devolve right um you know as a a leadership team we were meeting this morning and and had a, a conversation about haiti and we know that the port there has been closed for almost three months um you know which obviously affects industry at large and um you know, we know that inflation has been on the rise, uh, you know, steadily over the last couple of years, and even more so, you know, recently. So cost of goods are going way up, um, you know, cost of food and gasoline for sure, um, is becoming increasingly in short demand or short supply, rather. Um, so yeah, it's it's becoming challenging. Uh, what we're hearing from our team is that Port-au-Prince is really um, a major hot hot spot. Uh, Outside of Port-au-Prince, there seems to be more stability, more sort of, um, you know, ability to to get the stuff you need and to move around freely. Um, But Port-au-Prince being the capital, being where the main ports are, uh, it's it's a real challenge. Um, You know, I think for us and for our church partners, you know, our team uh, is very decentralized. So we work with church partners, you know, throughout the country. So we have, you know, a small team in the Lakai area, so the southern region, another one in the north, another sort of in the central area. Um, and so those teams are still able to get out and do what they need to do and partner with a local church. Um, but honestly, like local churches, in Haiti and in other parts of the world, you know, they're really well equipped for times of adversity and they know how to, have, how to manage these challenging moments. You know, they know how to access the food and resources that they need to care for uh, their communities and the families that they're caring for, the children they're caring for. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the, the benefits of, that we have found working with the local church is that that, you know, local knowledge of how to like you know, be be kind of scrappy and get what you need and, and figure it out. So uh it's definitely challenging. We're we're praying for Haiti a lot. Um, you know, Port-au-Prince is a mess. It really is. Um, and we're hoping for some kind of intervention. But in the meantime, the ministry continues and our church partners are are doing their best to uh to make it through.
2: Yeah, well, definitely uh prayers for for your team there for people in Port-au-Prince. I mean, I remember Um, earlier this year I was on a call we do um, like a consult group for therapists and stuff and we have people call in from you know sub-saharan africa central america and we have one who's a therapist in haiti and literally as we were having this consult group there were shots outside their facility where where she practices and i mean it is it, it's pretty crazy uh in port-au-prince and uh, but thankful that it isn't you know too you, you know you can get to other areas the southern peninsula up north near cap haitian where it's you know not necessarily as crazy so uh, but definitely continue to pray for for Haiti. And, you know, as, you know, we think about the church, you know, like you were just saying, Jake, as we think about, you know, ways that people adapt, ways that people find ways, you know, to care for, you know, vulnerable kids, uh, the importance of, you know really giving the church an opportunity to do that i mean i give an opportunity of course anybody can just take an opportunity but you know finding ways for that to be effective right and that, and that can look like you know adapting um you know, the programs in Haiti or whatever. But, you know, one of the things that I think Go Project has really become well known for is is something that you guys have released here locally, you know, in, in North America, um, and that's Care Portal. Um, so Care Portal is something that's reaching a lot of families, a lot of communities. And, uh, you know, this was something that you guys developed a number of years ago. I'm not really sure how long ago, but I would love uh, maybe, Adrian, if you could just share with us a little bit about the Care Portal platform, you know, how it came to be. And, and kind of what problems does it solve, and how does it function?
0: I I love sharing uh, this part of the story because again, it's got God's fingerprints all over it. So the first, I don't know, ten years or so of uh, the Global Orphan Project's existence, everything we did was international. Everything was around breaking the orphan cycle uh, through local churches, doing the work in in third world countries. Uh, we never really stopped to try too hard to figure out what was going on in the US uh, until uh, Mike Fox again was kind of going back to the origin. He was flying over to Southeast Asia. And the intent of the trip was to say, Lord, are we supposed to expand some more? Where do you want us to grow? And literally on the plane, on the way there, what he sensed in his spirit was that we were supposed to stop flying over the kids in our own backyard, right? The drive from his house to the airport. There are kids there who the local church uh, should be, to some degree, is serving. And how can we empower them, equip them to do more and more of that? So he came home from that trip on fire. Like, we got to figure this out. Simultaneously, the Lord had pressed upon my heart and my wife that we were supposed to take the foster care class. And so we were obedient to that. We, we were becoming foster parents and it just became natural for me to step into a domestic leadership role to try to figure this thing out. Like who are the orphans in the U S who are they? Where are they? What systems are support? Are they, what is the church actually been doing? And, uh, And man, for two years, we tried to engage the local church here in the the U.S., particularly in Kansas City, to help with the 773 kids who were available for adoption in the greater Kansas City area through the foster system. That was our objective. And we failed miserably. We failed everything we tried. Church leaders were not excited to stand up in their in their congregations and say we need to adopt these 773 kids who's in right, right? Yeah. like it just didn't work uh and we we try to figure out why and there's lots of whys i mean one of the whys is sometimes people think that the only way you can help is to become a foster or adoptive parent and if i'm a pastor of a church and i'm not ready to do that i don't feel called to it whatever I I don't I can't tell my congregation to go do that. Like there's there's all kinds of stuff that's there. But we learned a lot. We made some relationships. You're probably familiar with the name Bishop Blake uh, in Texas and he's a he's a godfather to this work that we're we're all part of here in the US and uh his relationships with the state of Texas at the highest level from a child welfare perspective doors begin to open. We learned some things and I was reading a document one day of what we had learned over the last couple of years. And literally in a flash, God just implanted this vision of what is now Care Portal. And the concept is simple. How do we get local kids and families who are in crisis connected with the body of Christ in proximity so that they can serve? And how do we do that at scale? And in our country, the child welfare system is developed Some might even say it's overdeveloped, right? Um, And so when you can partner with child welfare agencies who know of these needs, maybe they're schools, maybe they're government agencies, maybe they're private agencies, but they, they are in proximity to these kids and families. And they're able to submit the needs of these kids and families into the Care Portal platform, which then gets those needs to a community of churches and businesses and people who care that are close by. It gives them a real time opportunity to take meaningful action. And that meaningful action, we hope and often see, leads to all kinds of life transformation. And, and so some sometimes, most of the time actually, what's needed in the moment is something practical. you got a single mom, who's just left this abusive relationship and now she's on her own. She's doing the best she can for the children she has. And in order to get the child welfare system out of her life, she's got to get her, her home furnished. She's got to have beds and the normal stuff that you and I take for granted. But she doesn't have capacity for that. So what does she do? Or you got a, a dad, a single dad, who's working his tail off and he's trying to do everything he can To provide for his kids, but his car breaks down. And he can't afford to fix his car. And if he can't fix his car, he can't get to work. And if he can't get to work, like then what happens? Right? So Care Portal creates this mechanism where those caseworkers who know of these needs can put them into the system. And in short order, many churches have the chance to rally around. And when they do, when they provide the bed for the single mom, when they they help fix the car for the single dead They're getting into life in a moment of crisis. And to the degree that everybody is willing, meaningful connections begin to happen. And so we have seen since this launched in 2000, officially in 2015, we have seen over 155,000 children serve wow. through local churches and communities connected by care Portal. And there is so much more that we've seen coming.
2: No, I I love it. I mean, in a previous time in my career, I worked for a child welfare agency in California. And I had just spent, you know, eight years doing missions work in, in East Africa. And so I was accustomed to, you know, going before churches, you know, and presenting, hey, these are needs of, you know of whoever, right? Uh, you know, the nonprofit thing that people do. And when I was going and saying, "Hey, there's kids in Tanzania that um that need, you know, that need families and your donation can help support that." I would get donations. Now, when I flip to the other side and now I'm actually going before churches and trying to recruit foster and adoptive parents, that's like a whole other that's a whole other beast, man. That's a tall task and and it's tough when you know, churches and people within those churches have a heart and they have a desire to help. But if your options are either give, which yeah, praise God, you know, you know, you guys, everybody should receive donations. But aside from that, when it comes to actually getting involved, if, if the ask is like, you guys were, you know, initially saying like, there's 700 and something kids that need to be adopted in this area. That's, that's a really tall order. And and I'm an adoptive dad. So I don't, I don't say that like, oh, you know, everybody should just do what I do. And it's like, no, I actually know as well as anybody that it is a really tall task and a big order. And not everybody's called to, but what I love about Care Portal is that it gives a a different on-ramp into this space that isn't just well would you become a foster or adoptive parent which is just like asking somebody well you know would you just donate a million dollars like it's just like oh my gosh some people is like that's not possible like like you know it's just it's not possible but you guys are giving people an on ramp you know, to engage in this space in a meaningful way and actually come around vulnerable families and, and, and even help kids that have had to enter, you know, into foster care um, because you guys are serving, you know, a mass, uh, a, a varied group of, of families and children. So I, I just love it. You know, and you mentioned that this launched seven, eight years ago now, you know, what have been some of the lessons that you guys have learned, you know, in, in your kind of continual iteration, developing, deploying Care Portal Um, you know, across all these different partnerships that you guys have.
0: Man, you see all the gray hair on my face, brother.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to get some myself, man. (laughs) Wow. We've learned
0: so many things. I I mean, I I could go on for a long time and I won't, but I'm just telling you that uh, life has a way of teaching you and humbling you. Um, even in obedience to the Lord, there are things that we've done in the process that just weren't best. And so I've got like a ton of grace for all kinds of ministries that are just people who are just doing what they think they're supposed to be doing. And they find themselves making a mess along the way. Um, That's okay. Like, don't beat yourself up too bad. Yes, take responsibility. Even repent when pride or some other sin is in there, which we've had to do. But, but just keep moving. Like, learn and move and get better. You know. And so, in the early days of CarePortal, we saw crazy success, like in ways that we we couldn't even have, we couldn't predict it at all. But that we weren't ready for, it. and and we actually stepped on some toes. Of other organizations who were trying to do good work and were doing good work, and all of a sudden, this new flashy thing called Care Portal comes in, and and particularly in Texas um, where we we did our first pilots, man, like we hurt some feelings because um, it seemed like uh, what they had been investing in for however long was no longer of value because Care Portal was it. Right, uh, and and so we had to like pull back from that. Sometimes, uh, even the best of ideas can can go sideways, and so it did. And we learned, and so we've grown in how we implement Care Portal. In some places, we we implement directly where our own field staff are in a city, and they are building a local ecosystem of churches and businesses and and agencies and, and so on to have this care network. Uh, because care portal of technology doesn't mean anything unless you have a network of organizations and people in that city who are like, "Oh, yeah, we get it. This is the dance floor we're all dancing on, and it's gonna help us to serve kids better. Um, so we we implement directly sometimes, but sometimes, and often actually, we now implement through other organizations. So there are ministries all over the country. Who are in the space of helping the local church care for kids and families in crisis, and they're working with agencies and police stations and schools, et cetera. And so, we have nearly a 100 different organizations now who use Care Portal as an undergird to their ministry in that space and that particular geography that they're in. And we, we found our place underneath them, right, underneath them as the piping system as opposed to the face of the work that's happening. Because ultimately we we believe that the bride of Christ needs to be lifted up, right? We're all in favor of that. And ultimately we need to reinforce and engage agencies and schools and police stations, et cetera, who are, who are coming alongside the families in a professional sense. Um, we know our place now. And I gotta tell you, Brandon, knowing your lane, like having clarity of your core competencies, is a game changer. We know that developing and supporting innovative technology is a core competency of ours. Not every organization has that core competency, nor should they. We do, we should embrace that. And we know that developing and supporting care networks is a core competency that requires bringing all kinds of people in a collaborative way to the table in a particular geography. Like that's what we're here to do. Yeah. We don't have to do anybody else's job. We we just need to do ours. And if we do ours well, God's doing stuff, you know, yeah. like Airportal works when we stay in our lane.
2: Yeah, no, I love it, man. And and you know, for our listeners If you hear Adrian sharing, you know, and we're, you know, just raving about what God's doing, you know, in creating these honor apps for people to engage, you know, foster kids or vulnerable families right here in the U.S., um, just go check out careportal.org. I mean, how many, How there's all sorts of counties and how many states are you guys in currently through your guys's, you know, own efforts and partnerships?
0: Yeah, 28 states and three provinces in Canada.
2: Well, there you go. So, so, even to our listeners in Canada, uh, definitely go and uh, check out uh, careportal.org. you know and and going to something else that you were just saying a moment ago, Adrian, as far as like knowing what your competency is. there are a lot of organizations that try their hand at tech and it just doesn't fit. and and but you guys, especially with Careportal as kind of this you know prime example, have been able to um, to leverage tech. To support you know vulnerable families and and help kids that are either in the system or prevent them from going into the system, you know and and we were talking earlier with Jake about all that you guys are doing internationally, you know. So what are some other ways that Go Project is you know leveraging technology to better serve children and families, and even if there's anything that you guys are working on or, or plan to roll out as far as the global south, anything just kind of in the works, anything out there as far as like a, a next kind of deliverable.
3: Yeah, I'll uh, jump on this one. Uh, So um, we are working on, well, I guess since, since the creation of Care Portal domestically, you know, we've been asking the question, you know, how do we take this unifying platform global and how could it serve our church partners and other church partners, other organizations in the global South? And, you know, we tried our hand with a few different Care Portal pilots in different parts of the world and, you know... Met with varying levels of success, but nothing that we really felt was uh, was was kind of the bullseye. Um, uh, one thing that we've noticed, so, you know, over the years, our ministry internationally has um, evolved a lot and shifted away from the sort of residential care and, and with a much larger focus now on reunification and family strengthening, which has become kind of the largest part of what we do. Um, you know, and, and shifting our care models to a more kinship focus and foster care model while retaining the transition piece. So all of these children, whether they're in some kind of a prevention ministry or some foster care, safe home, you know, have an opportunity for transition to adulthood. And what we've recognized in most of the countries that we work in is that, you know, in general, there seems to be this void of adequate child welfare being done right? A lot of these children, um, no one really knows who they are. They're not really being served by the government, right? Some of them are being served by some NGOs and other organizations, but the vast majority are kind of off the grid, being served by local leaders, local churches, local organizational leaders, um, you know, local community members, And the reality is there's very few technology options for for local practitioners of, you know, orphaned and vulnerable child and family ministries to use. And so, you know, how do you unify that, right? How do you create some basic case management tools that can be utilized by a local church who may not have a, you know, a, a professional social worker on the team? And so we've been working on sort of step one of how do we take care portal global, you know, can we create a um, an approachable case management app that is developed specifically for local practitioners in their local context, in their local language, that can give them the ability to database the children and families that they're serving, and um, evaluate their health and well being holistically and track those trends over time, right? And the idea of this is, you know, we we all want to reunify children with their families, but how do you know when that's best and when it's healthy and when the family's ready? How do you track progress before reunification, during it, after it? You know, how do you do that? And with our transition programs, you know, how do we know that we're really equipping these kids well for, you know, future adulthood? Uh, and so we developed this tool that helps local practitioners database all of the children and families that they're serving, um, evaluate them over time, and based on that evaluation, be able to cater their ministry response to bolster the part of the individual or family that needs some support so that we can do a much better job of reunifying with, with good data, Right. And so that's what we've been working on and it's been a challenge for sure. Um, We've been working on it for several years. We've been piloting it um, in several places around the world and we're about to go live with our own team um, actually in about two and a half weeks uh, and then hopefully looking to sort of make it more widely available um, in the coming year or two. Um, And, and, that's kind of the, our on ramp for how we take you know care portal technology internationally.
2: Yeah, no, I love it, man. And those tools, as far as just monitoring children, monitoring families, there's such a dearth of that uh, when we do talk about programming in the global south. So really cool to kind of see you know the the great success that Care Portal has been and continues to be, and now you know, utilizing some of those skills that you guys have developed, you know, to also benefit kids in the Global South. So that's that's really exciting to hear. All right, well, we got... we got two more questions for each of you. Uh, and these are questions that we ask everybody. We are big on sharing word of mouth, you know. Uh, so I'll, I'll go to Adrian first. Adrian, what have you read, watched, or listened to that has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable children as well as their families with excellence?
0: So I'll make this super personal, okay? Go for it. It is... 3 p.m. on Friday, May 11th, 2011. My wife and I are driving home and we get a phone call from child welfare. And the call says, uh, we have two boys, age four and two years old, sitting in our office and their parental rights are already terminated. The adoptive placement that they had has blown up and now they need a permanent home. Are, are you willing to take them? This is our first phone call as licensed foster family. Very first call. Wow. So my wife and I are driving and we're praying. And after a few minutes, she says, I just heard from the Lord. I was like, okay, well, what'd you hear? When did you see me? When did you see me hungry or thirsty? When did you see me a stranger or naked? When did you see me a prisoner? I tell you the truth, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brothers, you have done to me. Matthew 25 is the clearest, most compelling, Thing I've read, seen, heard, whatever, to move me to take action that matters for eternity, right? Like God didn't, didn't just put those words in there to say that you're blessed when you do that, enter into the kingdom. He didn't just do that because it was kind of fancy. He did that because no, actually it matters how we love and care and serve the people around us who really can't do something back for us. There's no value exchange that we're planning for. Yes, there's value exchange, but it's not because we're trying to get something from them. It's because God does something more than that. So those verses, that truth, um, when you ask me what's most significant to me, it's Jesus's words about what the kingdom is going to be like and who's going to be there and why.
2: That's good, man that's good. Matthew 25. Well, uh, Jake, I, I, you, you won't be able to beat it, but I want a recommendation from you too, brother. (laughs) It can be uh, Matthew 25 though, man, I I've preached it before. I love that verse. Uh, years ago when we were in Tanzania, I wrote a book, uh, going through, it was all released in Swahili. So it wouldn't be too exciting for you guys, but it was Matthew 25, uh, was one of the, was one of those passages that I exegeted and said, man, when you care for orphans and vulnerable children, you're going to hit all six of these people at once, you know, kind of thing. So I, I love that. I really love that, Adrian. All right, Jake, how about you, buddy?
3: Yeah. So, you know, Adrian got real personal. I'm not, I'm going to get very academic.
2: How, there you how go. about that? We like that uh, too.
3: Good, good, good. Yeah. I think that, uh, so a few things that I think have shaped our ministry over the years, you know, so when I started a go project 12 years ago, um, you know, part of my role was kind of like, okay, hey, figure this out. You know, um, what, what are the best practices out there that, that we need to employ? And so, things that have really helped shape our ministry are things like, um, the uh, the celebrating children workbook from Viva, it's kind of like an eight, I think, seven or eight series. I love thing. that book,
2: it's I love great. That book. It's and it, so good. I mean,
3: it's great for, for organizations and ministries who want to get involved. And I mean, they've got so many great resources and so many great citations that can lead you to other things that can, it's great. It's great. Um, So, you know, from kind of an organizational level, I think that's been really helpful Um, from like a theological perspective. There's a book I really like called adopted into God's family by Trevor Burke, Mm -hmm. um, which has really sort of impressed upon me. The, the mission of the church being you know, a, a manifestation of God's adoptive heart when He created the world. Right? He created the world out of an adoptive motive. He said, "I'm going to create. I'm going to make a people who we can adopt into this shalomic, tr- you know, triune relationship." Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful book. It's a little theologically dense, I think, but for pastors and I mean, it's great. Um,
2: Those are good. And then, all
3: right, and one more
2: thing. One more. All right, man, what, go for one it, Jake. More.
3: There's a great TED talk that opened my eyes to the need for more trauma informed training and care at the you know uh, at the point of care um and that was uh, Nadine Burke Harris she authored The Deepest Well uh, she's got a brilliant um, TED Talk. I think it's like 10, 15 minutes. And we have, have you know, sent that all around the world with subtitles and everything, you know, just to get it in the hands of as many people as we can. And of course, there's lots of good trauma-informed stuff out there. This is a great just sort of, you know, deep dive into why it's important, why we need to know these things and employ them in every facet of our ministry and organization and so forth. And it's a great sort of introduction to, you know, the importance of it. And she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. So,
2: Uh, Jake, you and I need to hang out, man, because celebrating children is one of my favorite books, uh, as far as like just a solid resource on caring for children. And Nadine Burke Harris, the, the deepest well has been one of my go-to books, um, when I teach at university, we do an, a, a section on adverse childhood experiences, and I have them read a chapter out of Deepest Well. I've watched her TED Talk. It is fantastic. So, all right. All right. Guys well, um, are way from, too
0: smart for me, like way above my pay grade. I don't
2: know. You, but but I don't know. God implanted Care Portal in your head, so I think you hold your own weight there, Adrian. All right. All uh, right. Adrian, what person has most impacted your thinking? So aside from Matthew 25 or any of the books or movies or whatever, what, what single person has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable kids with excellence?
0: I'm going to get personal again. You ready?
2: I'm, I'm ready. I'll brace myself this time.
0: My wife, my wife, Cynthia is like, is an amazing human being. She loves her some Jesus, and she's this little four-foot-ten Cuban missile. <laughs> she's this, this crazy, mighty-mouse little Cuban lady who's got so much life in her and is, is uh, strives for excellence in everything that she does. And when God put us on this journey to care for the orphan in a God-sized way, which is what her prayer was in, in 2008 that's so it's her fault we're doing all this just so you all know yep. when he when when she embraced the calling i mean my my wife has been mothering now for 34 years and we have a 9 year old in our house still so she'll have mothered for 43 years straight wow before our house is empty and maybe not even then i don't know what god's going to sure. do yeah. This woman, uh, doesn't do anything halfway. And you guys know that when you love on kids from hard places, as mom in particular, you get banged up. There is a, there is a, a rebellion that comes to the mom that's different than the dad. It just, it, at least it's what I've seen. And moms carry this weight of, um feeling it much more personally when children don't receive their love the way that they wish they would right she is just she's worn a lot but man that woman's got no quit in her and that, that's motivated me
2: that's awesome man all right jake same question what person
3: Yeah. So if I don't say my wife, I think she's going to get upset.
2: uh, (laughs) Does she frequent the Think Orphan podcast? Oh,
3: boy. Uh, All right. So for me, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of amazing people that, you know, along this journey I've met who have who have um, inspired me and who I call heroes, you know. Um, I can think of a you know, a bishop in Congo who is is literally one of my favorite people and and most resembles Jesus, I think than anyone else I've met. Um, but I think the person who who has most influenced me, if I go all the way back to that church plant in Miami and those young, you know, late teens, early twenty year old young men um, from these broken homes, there was one in particular who kind of set the whole thing off for me. And his name was Dominic dominic hamilton and so you know we were all sort of trying to figure out where where dom and his friends were gonna you know serve in the church and stuff and uh he was such a likable guy you know these young guys were just drawn to him so you know i like to say that i gathered them together and started doing lunch with them really he gathered them together and i just sort of like like you know shoehorned my way into his friend circle um, but I remember this one week in particular. Um after church, this uh this little lady came up to me and she said, Hey, I have a son who doesn't come to church. He's 17 years old, and he's I'm afraid he's going down the wrong path. You know, can you can you get him into this little crew of of like Dom and his friends? And I said, Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we get together once a week for lunch, so I'll just I'll bring him along. So I show up at, um, his name was Javier. So I show up at Javier's house and, you know, he comes comes down from his apartment building and he jumps in the car and I look over at him and he's got this huge welt on the top of his head and another one on the back of his head. And I'm like, Javier, what the heck happened? And he tells me that, you know, he's falling behind in school and the only way that he can catch up and graduate on time is to go to night school. And the previous night as he's walking home from night school, he got jumped by a guy with a pistol. And this guy said, you know, give me your iPod. And, uh, and Javi was like, no, and started running away. And this guy chased after him and pistol whipped him in the face and the back, just beat him, beat him to the ground. And, um, and then Javi managed to get up and get away um, and get home. But now he's got these welts on his, on his head and his face. And, You know, and he doesn't have anyone, he's got his mom, but he doesn't have anyone else that he can, he can talk this through with. And he's feeling a little self-conscious because he looks pretty bad. And now he's about to go meet these young guys he's never met before, which has been set up by his mom. It's just an awkward situation. Right. So, so I'm like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's hop to it. So we, we drive over to this little Denny's that we used to meet at, um, and, uh, and you know, we roll in there and there's Dom and his friends, you know, sitting in a booth and, and we just kind of, you know, sidle up next to him and Javier sort of slides in there. And Dominic just turns to Javier and he's like, hey, don't I know you from somewhere? Haven't I seen you at school or whatever? And he starts this conversation and and just, you know, starts asking him all these questions about this and that, whatever. Oh, man, you should come with us. We're going to go see a movie later today. Just embraces this kid immediately, just like he had always been there. like He was always part of the crew, right? And as we're sitting around the circle, you know, at some point, Dom asks him, so, you know, what's the deal with your face? Like, what happened? And and Javier shares with the the group, and then one by one they all kind of go around and they they tell their story of the time they got jumped or the time that the stepdad did this or that or whatever. And Javier had this family, like he walked into a Denny's and he found this family of young dysfunctional kids from this pretty crappy part of Miami who had just like rallied around Dominic. And he had made a little family, you know, of them, and he was the ringleader, and he was such a special human being. And as I sat there, you know, watching, you know, Dominic and these guys just sort of, you know, mix it up, I was so amazed, and mm-hmm. uh, um, and just saw in him this this just welcoming, non-judgmental, just you know, oozing with love and compassion. This young man who was who was twenty years old. And over the course of the next few years, I saw him embrace all kinds of Javier's, right, from Mm. similar situations who just sort of breezed into our church, and they would latch on to Dominic, and he would just welcome them in. And I was just amazed by him. And he was the one who, you know, when when I went home and, and lied awake at night, staring at the ceiling, remembering these stories, you know, I remember praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, I want to be more like Dominic. Mm. Like, that's who I want to resemble. And you know what? Shouldn't the church be doing something to support him? Like, what's my responsibility for the kids out there? What's the church's responsibility? It was Dominic who really set me on this course of figuring out what my calling is and what the... the calling of the local church is to you know orphan and vulnerable kids and kids from hard places and it was really him
1: Yeah. and
3: you know and he he uh he passed away two months ago oh um, in a freak accident he was swimming and he had a seizure and he drowned and he left behind two kids and a wife and just devastating but you know he also left behind like dozens and dozens of young men who Lord knows what their story would have ended up like had he not been in their life and, and made this family for them and I had the opportunity of going to his funeral in miami and it was it was amazing it was amazing I still hope one day when I grow up to be more like Dominic
2: wow uh Jake what a what a powerful testimony um of of Dominic and Oh man, I never even met the guy, but, uh, I'm feel like I'm tearing up just thinking about, you know, and, and what a, what a tragic end, but what a life well-lived um it's that's really powerful uh, jake so uh, thank you thank you for that jake and 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 thank you both for uh coming on the show and sharing about go project sharing your guys's own stories of how god brought you into this space um i would just again encourage our listeners uh go check out go project online go to careportal.org um you know go see what 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 god's doing you know uh, uh throughout the care portal network and 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 uh, thank you both again for for coming on the show today. It's it's been it's been great. It's
3: been an honor. Thank you so yeah. much, Brandon. Appreciate it.
2: Well, man, I, I can't think of a better story, uh, really, to kind of end on than what Jake shared there. Uh, it was just a uh, really meaningful when we think about the relationships that we build. When we think about what it really means to care for the marginalized. Um, uh, yeah, I just I just love that conversation. It, it packed so much more than I could have even uh, anticipated and hoped for. You know, I, I've known Adrian for a little while, don't know them well or anything. Uh, but that conversation was just uh, uh, yeah, it was it was just really special, uh, especially the way that it ended there. But uh, Phil, what, what kind of stuck out to you from my conversation with uh, Jake and Adrian?
1: I totally agree. Uh, what you said, I mean, just Jake's story, it, it really, and, it, and it, when he was talking at the beginning, it, it similar to my, uh, journey on in the, in the world of the caring for the, the vulnerable and the orphan and the families and just that root, root cause analysis, I can tell Jake and I think similarly in that regard, um, to say, Hey, you know, there's all these issues going on. Um, and we seem to just be dealing with the symptoms. We seem to be putting band-aids on the problems rather than actually going and digging and saying, What is, what is the real issue here? Yeah. And for him to see that so vividly through that and then to see hear that impact and and just the story and go deeper into the story. I'm so glad we got to to hear deeper into that. And and even with Adrian, just you know, hearing his story and hearing the story of Go Project, and I I just I let lo- you know me, I'm a sucker for stories. Um, and just hearing how God weaved this amazing story with different people hearing from him at different times about, you know, going globally. Yes. But also, Hey, you know, and I've had a similar feeling, you know, we've talked about this where I really feel God saying, Hey, you know, if I'm, if I'm going around the world, helping people to, uh, bring fathers to the fatherless and I'm not in our, our you know, it's kind of Rome is burning back home. Mm, yeah. what, what credibility do we have when we go overseas and there they come and visit at some and they're like, well, what's going on in your backyard? Right. You know, I've been hearing about the fatherless crisis in California or in Washington or in wherever you are. And it's just like, you know what? It's not to say that there's one's more important or less important than the other. It's just, man, there's so much need and there's so much um, so many things that are going on because we don't have solid men like, just, just, it's just... Man, that you know, you talked about John Sowers and Father's Generation. We had him on the podcast. Um, I actually quoted that book in "In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence" with the stats that that were there that John quoted from some other study. Um, but just yeah, those ills that do arise because we don't have we don't have the men being men, which is why you know I talked about this too in my class. That would you know, if you're listening to this and you're going to take that class someday, you're going to probably know one of the final exam questions, which is you know if we could just train up and disciple males to be godly men we could solve most of the uh you know orphan and vulnerable crisis do you agree or not agree right and and, and uh that's basically what you know what jake was talking about there and You know, the other thing that always brought a smile on my face is when he said, I have an academic uh, book recommendation because I thought, you know, all that made me think of was Brandon recommendations and Phil recommendations. (laughs) I felt like we had Adrian and Jake were kind of playing that role. Um, It was was a beautiful picture of, uh, you know, just how we can have these different folks on the the show and, uh, but just different people. And I, I actually went right after Jake, uh, Right after I listened to it, I went and listened to that TED talk, which I had not heard yet. It was fantastic. So That's fantastic! Um, I double recommend that uh, TED talk and she's a little, yeah. uh, you know, she's got some <laughs> yeah. fire too. That that TED talk. Oh, so. she was
2: awesome. No, Nadine yeah. Burke Harris is the real deal. And you know, I when Jake went through his multiple, you know, we we will not give an additional recommendation, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just because Jake crushed it for sure. And I'm trying to remember. I interviewed them a little bit. I can't even remember what Adrian did, to be honest. <laughs>
1: It was one but of your books that you loved of good and you said you read it. It was, uh, what was it? I forget. I forget what it was. Shoot. Oh, um,
2: now, now we're exposing ourselves. Yes. I well, did do you the know, interview folks, a couple of weeks ago.
1: <laughs> this is real. This is real. It was, uh, some of the children. I know that. Um, but uh, something about children. It was a book well, about whatever.
2: children. Oh oh it was uh, from Viva Network. Yes, celebrating yes, children. Viva. It's it's yes. awesome resource, actually. Yes. So okay, we covered our bases for sure. Jake and Adrian both did awesome. Uh yeah. but and speaking I love of that Viva, conversation.
1: We got Phil Green, you know, taking over Viva. Just, just a shout out to Phil. Hopefully, we're gonna to get Bill. him on soon, Great talking guy. about what he's uh, what he's gonna be doing there as he's taking that on. Uh, yeah, here pretty soon. So we got it.
2: We got to get Phil Phil Green on uh, Viva Networks. Doing awesome work. Anya Gertson had mentioned them yep. as well. She used to work with them in the past. So yes, yeah, shout out to Viva Network. Great recommendations. And we can't. And we got to say, in you know, before we wrap, Care Portal is uh, the real deal. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. It's one of those uh, innovations that has really uh, shifted quite a bit, uh, certain contexts where it's employed. And I would just encourage people, go check out careportal.org because they're in a bunch of places, counties and states throughout the country. And it is, a to me, when I think about Care Portal, man, when I was going and like trying to recruit foster parents in California, um, you know, it was hard. And basically, yeah. you're going in front of these places, and you're just saying, like, "Hey, you know, do you want to be a foster parent or or an adoptive parent, even?" And that's a huge ask, right? And the only other thing that people might ask for is funds, but uh, you know, Care Portal is really something that's kind of in between those. Like, give something more than money, but you don't have to like you know, give as much as a foster and adoptive parent. I just, I just love the platform that they're doing. And, you know, aside from, you know, the conversation we had with Adrian, you know, about, you know, the Genesis of that platform and everything I've talked with people like Chris Campbell, you know, in Oklahoma and the one, one, one project where they've employed this thing and it has radically shifted how they operate mm-hmm. as a ministry and the impact that they're able to make in Oklahoma. And, you know, so it's just, it, it, it's a great platform. So I would definitely encourage, um, you know, we, we have these conversations around innovation, right? We talked with Ian Forber Pratt, we talked with Jonathan Dowell, you know, this is something that we need in this space and care portal is really one of those platforms that really has. You know, uh, an innovation that has made a a, a significant impact in communities. So, uh, definitely yeah. got to give credit there, and and encourage our listeners to go check out careportal.org.
1: And you can, folks, you can go back, and if you didn't. Listen to some of the COVID video conference series that we did on Think Orphan. You can go back and watch those. They're they're still on the website of the video. Um, uh, you can you can find those. And we did interview we had an hour with Adrian and a couple other folks from from uh, Care Portal talking about what they were doing during COVID. But it gives an idea of what of what Care Portal is doing a little bit more in depth than we were able to go today. Um, such an amazing amazing thing. And and I I was talking to you Brandon beforehand. And saying how I remember talking with Joe uh, Niggig, um, who, fellow former attorney, I think he might still be practicing, actually. I think he may be. Um, but, uh, but you know, we did a breakout a long time ago before all this was going on, and to see how it's grown, and just, again, how God's just grown it, um, super, super cool. So I, I just am psyched that, Again, there's so much cool stuff going on that's so innovative. So, to get people involved, I always go back to that example that Rick talked about back in his, the interview we did with him back in episode, I think, 12 or 13, whatever it was, where he used that example of that like 85 year old dude who mows lawns and says, I can't foster kids, but I can mow lawns. And so he helps by mowing the lawn of the foster families. And, that's kind of the idea, like how can we all pitch in, you know, we're gonna get the, um, you know, Philip and, uh, and Dave with foster the city at some point, you know, come and talking about similar things. How do we wrap around and care portal, foster the city, other organizations that are doing similar things, man. Think outside the box, right? Just think outside, let's blow up the boxes and work together and not care who gets credit. And just say, how can we love well? And what does that look like? Man, that, that's that's some cool stuff. So, all right. Parting words as we uh, finish up this, what I'm going to dub our Thanksgiving episode because it is right now. Um, and you talked about football. I'm just going to throw this out there just because, just to show that I'm not just a, a global football guy, but I, I, I've been doing fantasy football for a long time. And I forgot about the draft this year. Um, and I, I got a D minus on the draft because it was computer generated. Uh, My team right now is, uh, what are we, in week nine, I think? We just finished week nine. Uh, Eight and one. So just throwing it out there. I might have just jinxed it. I very well could have. Um, Boy, I'm feeling feeling pretty good about the managerial, uh, you know, (laughs) Savvy. I, I'm, I'm yeah. chalking it up to you. It could also be that I've had really good matchups and they've uh, been pretty bad teams. But anyway, we probably lost about 98% of our audience talking about the sports so much today. But I'm thankful for you folks if you have stuck around. Um, but Brandon... What do you got to finish nothing up? Nothing
2: else. Nothing else. But uh, congratulations to your uh, assistant GM computer that uh, made your team for you. And uh, all the it, best for the rest of the season.
1: It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing and meaningless. Completely has nothing to do with anything. But, uh, you know, it's it's pretty pretty fun. Anyway, folks, thanks again. And and we mean it. We're, we kind of had some laughter and joking about it. But we do mean it. We are so grateful for you. The work you're doing for, you know, just, just, fact that you listen to these episodes says that you're thinking deeply about these issues you know and you may be someone who's in the middle of nowhere out there that that you're doing work and you're just going through ah, man just trudging away and just saying man i i just trying to figure this stuff out you could be somebody who's sitting in a you know an office as a educator somewhere that's teaching people about these things and every you know you could be anything doing stuff out there and and i have no doubt this stuff's helping you because these people are amazing and so i'm just grateful that you are taking the time to learn and you know with all that as we always sign up we will do it again and we mean it is we hope that you're taking everything you're learning from this show and you're using it to help you uh understand how you can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day thanks a lot have a great couple weeks and a great thanksgiving